God's people said, amen. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. It's awesome. Thank you. God bless you, man. So good that you are here with us and that we're together. Is it good? All right. Glad you're here today. Thank you. We're going to have the uh, youth go ahead and head back there with Miss Jennifer, and she's going to take you down for your class. Thanks for being here today. Looks awesome to see you all with us and uh, that you invited somebody with you today, I'm sure. So thank you for that. Did you spend at least five minutes a day, five days last week, reading or listening to God's Word? If you did so, please say yes. Did you spend some time alone with Him with no agenda for yourself? You know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Are you giving as God has asked you to give in your time, your talents, and your resources? You invite someone to church with you today? That's what I thought. There was only a few of you there, but uh, hopefully you talked to someone about Jesus this week. Did you do that? Yeah. Good deal. That's more important than anything. And when they say yes to Jesus, you let them know where you're going to church and that they should be part of the family here because uh, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for the two of you that are with me. Uh, <laughs> amen. So uh, we are going to have baptism next Sunday. So if you have not signed up yet, please do that through the app. There's a little QR code right there in front of you on the seats, and you can grab that and get our app and then sign up. That'd be amazing. Uh, you can do it through the website. Whatever way it is, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, get baptized next Sunday, okay? We're celebrating 4th of July and the freedom of our nation and all that in the following week. And so as we do that, I always plan a baptism because there's no freedom like the freedom in Christ. And even as Pastor Mike was talking about that, how God has bought us from slavery and given us freedom. Man, they can take away our political freedom. They can't take away our spiritual freedom. Thank God for that. He's amazing. And we're going to celebrate that with baptism next week. And so going to ask you, if you would, just remember me in your prayers as a little special day this Tuesday for myself personally. At 7 a.m. Um, Arizona time, I'll be defending my dissertation uh, back east for my doctorate, and this will be my final step in that whole process. And so if you would just pray, yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> kind of amazing that, uh, that I would have that experience and that opportunity in my life. Uh, you know, God's led me down a very different pathway in the ministry and stuff, and I'm very grateful and humbled that he would do that. I was telling them in the first service that, you know, as a kid, I um, spent a lot of time in the hospital when I was a baby, and into my toddler years, I was a very sick child, and uh, oftentimes, they didn't know if I would live, and uh, God spared my life. <laughs> so cool how he does stuff when you don't even know about it, you know what I mean? Like, later on, as you're looking back in life and you learn things, uh, you know, God's just amazing. I mean, in, in spite of everything, I just want you to know he is amazing, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through. We have a lot of families going through a lot of stuff, and if you haven't and you're not, you will. So glad for God. He's so good. He is so, so good. And so as I was a kid and I told my mom when I was little I want to grow up and be a doctor, I had in my mind it would be a physical doctor of some type. And uh, as I grew a little bit older and kept breaking bones because of my crazy choices and doing things the way I did them, I figured maybe I'd just be that kind of a doctor, a bone doctor. I don't even know what they call them, so that'll tell you where I'm at with that. But God had other plans, and uh, so yeah, he's allowing me to do that and fulfill a childhood uh, desire of some type, but for his glory and his honor, and I'm just blessed and humbled that he would allow me to do that. Uh, I, I also, on a personal note, want to thank you, and I know that I just found out this morning that Ken and Mary Sparks are lead our Celebrate Recovery. 
Their uh, grandson was diagnosed, he's only 18 years old, with cancer this week, unexpectedly went to the doctor and they took him right in for surgery. He'll be getting chemo this week, like those kinds of things. Ray and uh, Sandra, their grandchild was found in the pool and uh, rushed to the hospital and God redeemed him and allowed him to live. And we're so grateful for that. You know, when you just stop from your craziness of life and you look around, people are going through a lot of stuff. And I'm so glad we have God take us through it so that whatever the outcome, he, he's there. God's there and he's got us. And so as Kim and I have been navigating with our family through Dave's diagnosis of cancer and all these things, we want to express to you our love and appreciation for your support and prayers. Uh, for our son Dave, his wife Christy, and our grandkids, uh, their children, um, you know, Celine and Hunter as we navigate through that, but our whole family. That's a big thing, you know, when you all of a sudden have these things happening and you're facing all that. Uh, revisitation for my wife of her own experiences in life with her being three years in remission right now. She's kind of, it's just a different thing, you know, as you navigate through that. So we know that God's in control and he's taking care of him through it all. We know that. And as he begins to get his chemo and his plan and for the next six months to a year, he's going to go through a lot of stuff. And I felt like as I prayed in the very beginning of this process that God was telling me that he's going to go through some stuff and he's going to have to just like go through it. It's the way it is. And I know that as I look back on my, my wife, Kim, and her diagnosis and the things God brought us through, having been a pastor and dealt with so many people and walked down that journey with them, some to a good result and some to our loss, that I have navigated through that with so many people through the years that uh, here it was in my life and my home, and it was different. And as I walked with Kim down that, I know that I wouldn't want to change any of it. Do I want to take that from her? Of course. But I'm saying is what it did for us and our walk with God, our walk together, and as a pastor myself and having that experience in my own life, wouldn't change it for anything. Our relationship is amazing. God is amazing. And I am truly grateful. I used to say, thank you for another day. Now when I say thank you for another day, it's a different thank you. See, it's like there's difference. That's what I'm saying. Like the, there's things in your life that will transform you. I was telling Dave and Christy the other day, I was like, you know, guys, I'm sorry this is going on. I really, truly am, and I wish I could stop it, and that God would just miraculously heal you. At the same time, though, you will never be able to, like, what's going to happen? will be life-changing forever. <laughs> and even though it's hard right now, it's going to be amazing. I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage everybody listening to me, whatever you're going through. It may be hard and difficult and struggle. Well, if you're following Jesus, it's going to be amazing. It will be amazing. No matter what it feels like in the moment, God is so good to us. And as we were celebrating in the worship today, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say like probably the first time in a long time that all of our songs were celebratory. Normally there's a slow one in there. I have a hard time with slow songs. Not that I have a hard time singing them. I'm just like, I like upbeat, fast, and doing stuff. You know, that's me. So, not, and I like all of them, and God always has to slow me down and say, like, see how good that was? I'm like, yeah. Can we get some guitar in the next one and, like, rock this place? <laughs> you know, but anyway, it's not about me, right? So here we go. And as we celebrated that, I was like, God, you're so awesome because of how he was leading the message and how every one of the songs tied into what God's doing this morning. 
I want to share with you from Psalm 32. We're going to go down through this chapter, and it's just a beautiful thing. And I want you to know that it is a psalm that is a song of worship that the Israelites had for God and a challenge to themselves. And so when you think about this, last week we had a song of celebration of God being a warrior and watching the enemy get crushed. Today, we're going to sing a different kind of a song, but it's the same song about the same God. And this is some great stuff. So let's look at it together. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yeah. All right. I wanted a little bit more enthusiasm in the response after that verse was read. Maybe you haven't had your sin forgiven and put out of sight by the creator of the universe. But if you have, that first line of that song should be a celebration, right? So let me help you. Sometimes our worship team claps, and then they stop, and then we stop. And then they clap, and then we try and clap, and we're off beat, and then we stop. All right, now, and when we get to heaven, it's going to be pretty good. I mean, we'll all be able to keep time. It'll be amazing. But let's talk. <laughs> let's do this right now. Listen to this says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. All right, now we don't have to clap on key, right? You don't have to try and keep time on this one. This is a celebration. That means you can just clap whenever you want to. You don't have to worry about what your neighbor is doing or think if you're on key or not. You don't have to watch the screen and know that there's a delay. You know, and so it's like, I can't even do this. It's making me seasick because there's a pause up there and it's like, oh, uh, uh, all right. Anyway, don't worry about that. This is like looking at what God's word says to a what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. The next verse says this, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Hold on. We may have wanted to clap on the first verse and halfway through that verse, yeah, and then it's like, whose lives are lived in complete honesty, and all of a sudden I'm like, air clap. <laughs> oh, no, there's something to this. There's something more, church. I mean, who would ever thought that Pastor Dave was going to talk anything about her obedience? You know what I mean? Surrender, trust, and obey, right? You never hear that. And so, I'm glad a few of you are awake. All right, maybe you've never been here before. But anyway, we're looking at what this says. So there's this, there's this whole celebratory beginning of this song talking about the joy that comes from forgiveness, the incredible thing that it is that God has done for us, and the fact that he has, like, cleared our record, completely expunged. It's as if that never happened. I mean, that is reason to celebrate, right? So it's like, all right, so if you've received this, then you're living in complete honesty, right? I mean, that's the follow-up to it. Then whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, comma, not period, not like hyphen, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. So there's this celebratory, amazing grace of forgiveness with the reality that from that forgiveness now, my life has now lived differently honestly and openly so it's like i'm transparent we are but see who are we transparent to always to god we're not always transparent with ourselves so 
we're going we're gonna to keep going in this song because this is such a cool song that speaks right into our life as we're looking at these things, as we consider the statements of, are they true to us or not? I mean, church, do you really believe what those verses just said? Have you lived that? Now, as we look into the next section here, it says this, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Now, right here, if you were looking in your Bible, which we're reading verses put on a screen, but if you're reading in the scriptures, you will know that after that verse, right there, it's verse number four. There's this word that is in italics that's right afterwards. This is what tells us this is a song that they sang. It's a musical statement. And what the statement says right there in the New Living Translation says interlude. If you're reading some of the other translations, it says Selah. And so when we look at that, there's a reason that's there. It's not just like something over here on the side, but there's a reason. So as we look at what it says then, the word that is there, we struggle with in our English language to fully get it because we don't have a direct translation. But what that's telling the people that are singing this song is, this right here is a moment where you stop in the song. You praise God and you think about what you just sang. So you know how sometimes we can just sing along? You know that. Sometimes you'll find yourself singing words because you're familiar with the song, but your brain's not even connected with the words that are going on, right? I mean, we can do that in worship. We can do that when we're reading our Bible. We can kind of like mouth the words and our brain can be saying them, but our heart's not engaged with it. So the music writer here that God ordained to write this song said, right here, you need to tell everybody, whoa, 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 stop. Do you realize what you were just singing? Do you realize what you were just proclaiming? You just said how amazing it is that God has forgiven you and the joy that he's placed in your heart knowing that your guilt and shame have been forgiven. Not only that, but now think about the other part of that. Remember, he says in this word, like, when I refused to, con you all remember before Jesus, how you lived and how you felt? See, what it says right there is, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. You know, when you live in sin, it's miserable. You know, that's why the devil wants you to medicate yourself, try drugs, try alcohol, try sex, do all these things to try and feel better because you're a miserable wretch. And so you're trying to escape out of that misery by transforming yourself with some other substance to make you feel better. And all it does is make us worse. And so when it talks about this right here, it's like, you know, before Jesus, I was a miserable person. And I could smile and I could laugh and I could be the life of the party as long as I had some kind of stuff in my system. And I would put it in my system hard and fast so that I could be the life of the party. Because see, in my normal self, I wasn't. I was introverted. And I wasn't the life of the party. And I hated myself and I hated you. So I thought if I could medicate myself, be the life of the party, that people would actually like me. And here they were stupidly influenced and so they acted like they liked me. But as soon as my life changed, they didn't even come around me. 
And so I look back at this, and so this, this song is telling us, hey, do you remember both of those experiences in your life, church? Do you remember? Do you remember both of those elements of your life? The misery before Jesus and then the celebration of knowing that God has forgiven you? I mean, there's joy there. I'm asking you, do you remember? Yeah, yeah that's amazing. Now I want to read that next part because, see, there's something more to your miserable, wretched life before Jesus. There is. And here it is. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. So as we look at that then, we see that my misery was expanded by God himself. He's like, you want to live that way? Go ahead. Suffer the consequences. Be the miserable wretch that you are trying to be. And I'm going to whoop you every once in a while so that you realize how wretched you are. See, the, the, so the psalmist is saying, like, God, I realize that my own life choice is making me a miserable wretch. But I also recognize there were moments in my life, God, where you just absolutely whacked me upside my head. And I suffered the consequences of that because I was making stupid life choices. And so as I look at that, it's like a reminder of all these things. And so as I've lived my Christian life, I want you to know that I have a prayer that I pray. I think I might have shared something about this before, but I want to do it again. And there's a reason I'm doing it again. I want you to know that um, when I pray this prayer for lost loved ones and people and people in the church, I have actually at times prayed this out loud in the church, and I was reprimanded for it. Uh, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. Here's my prayer. God, make them so miserable in their sin so wretchedly miserable in their sin that they fall on their face in repentance. So nobody in this church, so you just, you know, all relax. His name was Jerry. Okay, so if you know a Jerry in your life, then I'm talking about him. But this is this person that came to me back when I was pastoring in Michigan. So I prayed that prayer in my message. I'm like, Lord, make them miserable in their disobedience. Make them wretchedly wrong in their sin. Help God bring them to their knees before you in repentance. And after church, he came up to me. His face was beet red. And he was like, you need to stop praying that prayer. <laughs> and I was like, something wrong? <laughs> he was ticked. And there was a reason. Because he was miserable in his sin and he didn't want to give it up. Now, I wasn't like following around and saying, God, do this to Jerry. But see, the Holy Spirit was. The hand of discipline was heavy. God was like, dude, you're jacking up your whole life. It's affecting your wife. She is a godly woman. It's affecting your kids, your grandkids. And you are messed up. And God's hand was on him. And he didn't like it. He wouldn't even come to church. Then he comes to church and he hears that prayer. And he's like, dude, what are you trying to do to me? Church, look, man. I'm praying today for myself. God, reveal to us anything that is messing up that relationship with you, the sin that is in our life that we're justifying, that we're trying to act like isn't there when we know it is. When God already sees it, God, make us wretchedly miserable in there until we fall on our face in repentance. Yeah, yeah man, that's what we need. In the name of Jesus, I ask that to happen. Everybody listening to these words and everybody in this house and anywhere else. We keep on reading the scriptures. Aren't you glad it didn't end there? I am. <laughs> Finally, I confessed 
all my sins to you and stop trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Guess what word is right next? Selah. Interlude. Hold on. Everybody stop singing. Stop looking to the next verse. Stop wondering if we're going to the bridge or the chorus. No. you got to reflect on what was just said to us. What we were just singing about. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you. God already knew about them. Church, God already knows what's happening in your life. He knows what you're doing. He knows it. And the psalmist like, I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I'm like, whoa, I need to confess this to the Lord. And guess what? It says right there, and you forgave me. And all my guilt is gone. Isn't it amazing how we can think we can hide stuff from God? I mean, let's use that word stupid again, since Justin's the one that said it. I'll, you know, like, I would have never used that word, but he said it, so I'm just going to piggyback on him. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry, Lord. No, you know, you already know I've said it before. But here's the thing that as we look at this, it's like, I mean, how ridiculously crazy are we that we think we're kind of like pulling the wool over God's eyes? Like, because I can come into church and nobody knows any different, and I can be, hey, man, I'm a man of God. Let's do this. Yeah, let's walk with God. And on Monday, I'm over there hiding my sin. It's like, do you really think God's like, oh, I like that Sunday, Dave. <laughs> he's amazing. And then he's just not looking at him on Monday. I mean, really, I mean, think about it. So it's like, there's nothing secret. And the psalmist says, finally, I confessed all of my sins. And you were relieved, removed the guilt. There's joy now. See, when we are forgiven, church, when we're really truly forgiven, when we confess, when we come clean with God, he takes the guilt away too. If, if the enemy's trying to put guilt back on you, know it's the enemy and not God because God's removed that when we've fully confessed. It's not God. That's not God. And you don't own that. That guilt doesn't own you. You are a free child of God and you have been forgiven. And God's like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about, so stop bringing it up. He says, I'll remember that no more against you. So church, why are we keep bringing it up? Because the enemy wants to get us back into the bondage of living in the past before Jesus. And God's saying, look, this is the new way. You're going to live honest with yourself, true to me, and we're going to keep going forward. So first, we have to be honest with ourselves, right? The psalmist like, ah, hey, everybody, let's sing this. Let's sing, not all of us. I'm not going to lead you, trust me. Okay, but I'm saying let the psalmist, the Holy Spirit saying, hey, let's, let's sing about the fact that we've confessed all our, our sins. There's nothing hidden. And that we have experienced forgiveness. And what happens then is joy comes in and guilt is removed. There's this transformation that God does for us. And he says it's all forgiven. So when God forgave you, it's like, the guilt is gone. So, like, stop and think about that. And remember, that's what we're doing here. We're like, ooh, yeah, that's amazing. I do recognize that that's the enemy trying to bring that guilt on me. And I also recognize that God's forgiven me. Wow, that is amazing. Woo, I should be able to celebrate now. Right? But we have to, first off, be honest with ourselves and the way that we're living and bring ourselves before God and confess all 
our sins, not just part of them. Let's keep reading. Let's look at that psalm some more. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time, that they may not drown in the floodwaters of judgment. For you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble. You surround me with songs of victory. Yeah, isn't that awesome how God does this, right? So, guess what's there? Interlude, pause, think about it, praise God. So let's pause, praise God, go ahead, praise God right now. Yeah, amen. I don't care how you do it, you don't even have to clap. God's our hiding place. He said, let's pray, let's seek him while we can. We have the moment of opportunity. Realize that God protects me from trouble. Wait a minute, I'm in trouble. Oh, wait a minute, we're going to learn a little bit more about that if we keep singing. Because true trouble is unforgiveness and brokenness in my life. And so as we move along in a celebratory praise to God, you s- surround me with songs of victory. Church, do you know that we are victorious when we are with Christ no matter what? No matter what, we're victorious in Christ. Now we go on, we're going to keep on singing. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or a mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. He's amazing, isn't he? So, you know, we have this opportunity right here uh, to introduce something about a horse. So, you know, I'm going to take advantage of it if I can, because God's the one that said it, not me, right? So, I did bring my bit and bridle. We've talked about this in the past. I'm not re talking about it, we're re-emphasizing something. See, when God talks to about this, and when the psalmist is talking to us, see what he's saying is, don't be stupid. There you go again. Remember that horse's brain's like that big? Okay, so he's like, don't be almost brainless and fight me. I'm trying to do something. Church, see, You're not here because you have nothing else you could do today. You're here because you really do want to do what God wants you to do. All right, then do it (laughs) and stop fighting. See, that's why he's like, I'm trying to guide you. And he uses this because he's like, y'all know how small those brains are in those animals. You know, we, I'm not going to cuss, but I'm going to say what sounds like a cuss word right now. So let me, let me think about that. Because this is live online. Um, so I want to say this the right way. So don't be a dumb donkey. I can say it that way. Right? That's what he's saying. This is God's word. And he's telling us, don't be a dumb donkey. Well, I got to force you down the right path. I'm trying to lead you. And you tell me that I'm your God and I'm following you. And God just told us in his word that I'm trying to take you down the right path for your life. So there's a picture that's on the screen there, right? So I want you to see that horse and recognize something that's going on. If you'll notice, the horse has got its head up and it's twisted. So what you don't see behind is a rider that's trying to give direction. But that horse is not following directions. Instead, that horse is fighting the bit. It's fighting the one that's supposed to be in charge. 
It's resisting the direction that is trying to be communicated through a gentle pull. And so what happens is we start into a fight of this, where the horse has got its mouth right there, and it's open because what's happening is the rider is trying to give a message, and the, the, the horse is not listening, so then there becomes a tug of war of who's actually leading. It's this fight that's going on. And so God's word says this to us. He's like, you know, are you going to be a dumb donkey? Or are you going to follow my lead? All you got to do is surrender to it. You don't need one of those if you're really following me. You don't need one of those. And yet, you know what it seems like? Most Christians are still walking around with a bit in their mouth because they really don't know what they're doing or where they're going. And yet we're supposed to be following his lead. And so stop fighting it. Stop being this. And look at what it says to us as we look into the word of God and what he's challenging us. It says many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love comes to those who trust the Lord. So the celebration is calling people who have not repented to repent and to be honest with themselves. And for those people that have partially repented, it's saying stop partially repenting and come to the fullness of your repentance. Remember how it used to be when you lived your miserable, wretched life and know what it is different now that you are serving the living God and he's the one that's in charge so it's calling us to celebrate that fact and know that God is trying to lead us. God's word says this. We just read it. You know that? It says, God speaking, I will guide you along the, what? Best pathway for your life. I will advise and watch over you. Guess what's right there? Maybe a pause moment. Maybe to think about that. Maybe to all of a sudden praise God and realize something that, you know, church, um, we should probably stop trying to lead and stop trying to justify our leads and just follow. Because God knows. And he has the best path for us. When we were in charge, you remember what we read there? When we were in charge, the word of God said, our body wasted away, we groaned all day long, we were miserable in our sinful ways, there was no real joy, there was no peace, there was no contentment. There wasn't. That's why we induced ourselves in many ways to try and get that peace that doesn't come any other way than through forgiveness. When we made our own paths and we made our own decisions, destruction came. And so now as Christians who have confessed, received the joy of forgiveness, know that the Holy Spirit has removed our guilt, that he's in us and leading us in our life, church, I'm just wondering why we are not so eagerly looking for the simple guidance of God and just relentlessly following him. What I do know is that I see us as a church, and I don't mean just CFF, I'm talking about Christendom as a whole, Dave himself as we do this, we're still struggling with following God's leading in the pathway. Because sometimes the pathway doesn't look inviting, 
I may be friendly. And so we want to take the open path. But notice this. God's word says that he has the best pathway for our life. And that he will guide us and show us the way. So he doesn't tell us right there, I have the easiest pathway picked out for you. He doesn't tell us that he has the trouble-free pathway, the rich pathway, the no sickness will ever touch you pathway. He says he has the best pathway for your life. So when I'm following God, and God says, this is the way I want you to go, that trail may look really, really tight. And so I'm going to go back to the horse analysis and say, like, the horse would rather go down that broad, wide open thing where it can see everything and know nothing is going to eat it. Because when it has to go down that tight, narrow pathway with bush and brambles and stickers and all that stuff around it, it's like, I know that I'm vulnerable and I can't turn right or left. And horses don't back up well. And so it's like stepping into the unknown. And so God's saying, like, are you going to trust me and let me lead you or not? And I'm like, yes, Lord, I would love it. I think I can get there going this way, though. <laughs> so I know I want to do what you want, and I will. I will. And I'm just saying, like, but if I could just go down this little open, sandy wash area first, I know where that path leads, and I, I know a, a better route to get there without all that stuff. So when I consider that, I want to tell you what happened a couple things in my life where um, I took my, my horse, Harley. He was my first horse I owned here in uh, Tucson, and I went out to the Rincon Mountains, and I wanted to ride to Douglas Springs up there, our falls, the it's the falls, Douglas Falls, I think. I don't know, whatever. The falls that are up there. I didn't make it, obviously. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, I have a pocket map, you know. I didn't have a map on my phone, but of the trails in uh, the Rincon Mountains and all the monument. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, you can, you can find it easy. Just ride your horse up that way and make it. So I have my friend with me. We're riding the horses up there. And I didn't open my map. I'm just like, yeah, it's easy to find. We're just going to go up this trail, you know, and we're just going to go. And we did, and we didn't get there. Because just because it looked the right way to me didn't mean it was the right way. But I thought I knew. So on the way, we're riding uh, on the trail. And uh, the trail is like just wide enough for my horse. And there's this rock wall here. And then there's this rock wall there that's like dropping down to dust. And so I was like, buddy, I love you. And I really want you to stay with me. But I'm not riding on you here. I'm getting off. And I'll walk in front of you, and you can follow, because if you go down, I'm going to watch you and tell you sorry. But I'm not going. All right? So, I mean, I really did. I got off, and I'm like, I'm walking, dude. I am not riding you on this. And so we're walking on that cliff, and I'm leading him along, you know, and we finally get past, hop back on. I'm like, good job. We survived. Let's keep going now, and we're going to keep going to this place. And as we went, we finally came to this complete rock wall. The trail, I don't know who made that trail. I mean, yeah, I was going to say something about their little brain, but I won't. Because I was on it, right? So I ride this, my buddies behind me, we're riding up, and all of a sudden there's a wall in front of us that's higher than this ceiling. Sheer rock. As far as you can see that way, and this, you're not going no further. 
There ain't no falls here. Believe me, I wasn't at the falls and it was just dry. There was no falls because I wasn't at the right place. But see, way back here, I made a decision that I thought I knew what I was doing and I'm going. And so if I look back at that scripture and it says that, you know, like the misery of my own life and my own choices, some of us are standing there at a cliff wall and thinking like, how did I get here? Well, hello. You probably made a decision back here that you were going to take the lead and direct that thing and now you're standing there in front of a wall that you can't get over or around and you're not getting where you thought you were going. And it's like, the only, I had one choice. Turn around. I, my horse wasn't going to jump that wall. I wasn't going to climb it and then carry him up there. I had to turn around. And the bad thing was I had to go back down that same cliff that I walked on earlier, and I walked on it going down. And the fact is, is I never have in my, all my life since, I've never been to that falls yet. Right? You know why? I ain't even going to try. I'm not, I'm not going back there. I'll maybe go there sometime in the future. I don't know, but I haven't tried since. I learned a lesson. Dave, you don't know what you're doing. Stop trying to do it your way, and let's see what happens going God's way. So let me just fast forward to something for you right now as we're here today. All y'all know that my son was diagnosed, him and I son, our oldest son Dave, with uh, stage 3 colon cancer just a couple weeks back. And, um, you know, having walked with Kim through that process, having been a pastor for years and walking family after family through that diagnosis, facing their crisis, some celebrating at the end, some celebrating in a funeral at the end. I've done it all. I don't mean that arrogantly. I, I mean that totally humbly. I have seen it all. And I've walked down that road. So Kim and I have walked down it personally. So now it's our son and our daughter-in-law and our grandkids. And so as soon as this happens, what is Dave going to do? I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to step into pastor leader mode. And I'm going to let you all know that God's in control. And he is. And then I'm going to start helping by ministering to each and every one of you and how you need to surrender and trust God in this process. And we do. I know all that. And so, of course, I stepped right into that role. And I'm leading. And every time my wife starts to get emotional, and I don't mean this bad. It's been hard for her. Of course. I would step into my pastoral husband role and remind her of what God's done. Know and remind her that God's done it, that God's got it that everything is going to be fine. It is, no matter how the outcome is. We know it. So I'm doing all this with everybody and then trying to help my son step into that, understanding himself and all that. And so this week I'm out there in my backyard doing my prayer quiet time where I'm actually listening to God. And you know, he was like, uh, you know, I'm the one in charge and you don't have to step into this role. You need to step back and let me be God and do this. I'm not asking you to lead everybody, show everybody, pastor everybody. Be the one that knows what the next step needs to be. I want you to know. I want you to know. Like God and I are having this conversation, only I'm listening and God's teaching me. Like Dave, right now, what you need to do is surrender and not take control and charge. Because see, what I've learned, and many of you have as well, like you have to step into things. I mean, life demands that we respond. 
And as a pastor, I've always, I hear it. I know I need to step in, so I do. So I've like programmed myself that, I, I don't mean this wrong. I hope you totally hear my heart. Like people need to be led, so lead them. Show them what God has. Teach them. Be that. Live that. Follow God's example. And I do, church. I want you to know I do. But in this moment, he's like, you know what? You need to back off. You need to say, stop. Think about some things. Know that the only reason you know these things, you've experienced these things, is because you've stopped and let God, oh, yeah, so what am I doing? I'm helping you on the journey, God. I'm helping you fix everybody so they know what to do next. Like he needs my help and like they really need my help. What they need for them to see, what they all need to see is that Dave is just like them in complete trust and letting God lead the way. I know God spoke to me at the very beginning of all this saying, Dave's going to go through some hard stuff. Trust me. And I do. But that doesn't stop Dave trying to make the hard times easier by my knowledge and wisdom. And I hope you know that was sarcasm. So it's like, okay, Dave, stop fighting the bit here. Stop like trying to take control and let me have control. So it's that surrender moment where you just kind of ease off. No longer is my face out trying to make sure that everything is covered and all the bases are there and everybody has what they need to comprehend and cope with everything that's going on. Nope, just stop. Step back and let God lead. Know that he has the best pathway. And this all happened, I told my wife, like I told Kim, I'm like, hey, babe, this is why we dedicated them when they were little. They're yours, God. They're yours. We trust you. So God's like, hey, remember that? That was great advice you gave her. <laughs> this trust is all yours. Let's see some verses here. We're almost done. I'm just going to go to Romans 12 because it's so cool. We know these verses, and we've all heard them so many times. But sometimes, like I said earlier, the reason why that word Selah is there is because we've heard them so much that we already interpret them in our own mind according to what we want to hear. So let's read these verses and listen to something that God wants to say that ties in with that psalm that we've been reading. And so, dear brothers and sisters, uh, by the way, it's Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Oh, so the way that I know the path that you have for me that is actually good, pleasing, and perfect is to surrender myself like lifeless, so to speak, that I'm not in charge, and that actually worship is when I actually am surrendered, that I'm all in, and that you're all God, and I'm all following. Yep, that's what it means. And so the way that God wants to Show us that perfect, good, and right pathway 
is through our surrender to him. So we all think we have to make decisions, and some of us, all of us, I'm sure we're making some kinds of decisions, and we're standing there, and there's two pathways in front of us, and we're like, well, I got to take one of them, and so we're like, well, I'm just going to decide it's that one. Don't decide. Let God lead. And what happens is we need discernment in our spirit by the Holy Spirit to know, because there may be a third option that's not even there for me. I don't even see it, because I've already laid out the two options that I have. And God's like, it's neither one. And I'm like, I got to pick one of them. Wait a minute. Lay down on the altar. And if you have to, physically lay on the altar. <laughs> okay, God, I worship you. What is it? And then let God reveal what he has planned. And he will. See, when we seek him with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, he says, you'll find me. I'm there. It's like I want to hear from him, but I want to hear from him affirming my choice. I don't want to hear his choice. I want to hear his choice, but I want his choice to be mine, so I want him to affirm the choice I'm going to make. And it's all about sacrifice. It's about me not being in charge because you see, church, not everybody's, I, I want you to hear this right now, because everybody's path is always Jesus. But the life that we live with that is not all exactly the same as each other's. God may give someone a wide path to go down in life and make it so easy, in my opinion, for them. And maybe God puts you down the bramble path for a reason. Guess what? He knows you. And he knows if you're in the open path, you're going to run wild. But if you're in the bramble path, you're not going to way go like you would if you were left alone. <laughs> See, when I'm riding my horses, when I'm going through like the monuments, there's washes all over this town, right? So when you get to a wash, what's the first thing you want to do on your horse? Run. Why wouldn't you? That's why it's there. It's wide open. The horse can see it's not going to freak out and jump in any other direction. So if I'm in a wash, that means run. No, it doesn't. But see, if I'm in charge, that's what it means. So when I'm like, dude, we're running. God's like, man, get back in that little briar patch over there where you belong because you're nowhere near where I want you. And I can get there fast. Keep your living sacrifice on the altar, Dave, so that I can lead you in the best path for you. And what I have learned, man, it's taken me a long time to learn this. I need a narrow path. Because if I get a wide path, I'm going to do stupid things. So we reflect on the truth of these verses, and these are our action steps. Worship God. Celebrate what he's done for you. Absolutely. Through your surrender. Don't copy the world's ways. We're looking at what God says to us. Remember the way you used to live? So he's like, transform your mind. Don't think like them. Don't respond like them. Now you're living for me, right? So that's our first action step. Transform your mind in the new way of living, not the old way of living. The second one is, be transformed into a new person by the way you think. So don't think the way you used to think. Don't think you have to figure it out. Stop thinking you will figure it out. That's our next one. Remember what that did for you. Remember the song we sang? When I did my way, I was miserable, wretched, blah, 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 all that. Remember? Like, so now we're in the New Testament, Romans 12. It's like, hey, man, you don't think that way anymore. You're thinking God's way, and that means you surrender. 
Stop thinking that you have to know the full plan today. Oh my goodness, I'm like, God, if you could just give me six months, that would be incredible. But he already knows that if he gave me six months, I would dead sprint the full six months tomorrow because I want to get there. So God's like, no, if I reveal six months to you, and I'm using that hypothetically, of course, if I reveal six months to you, Dave, you're going to try and run there tomorrow and be like, what's next? And he's like, the fact of the matter is I'm going to take you down this briar path and you're going to do some zigzags and you're going to do this and you're going to, and then in six months, you're going to be right where I want you. See, it's the right pathway. Yeah, it's God's pathway. So I'm like, hey, God, I'll give you the lead. Let's do this, right? I know the end result. That's heaven. He doesn't see me sprinting to my death. That's for sure. I'm trying to slow that one down a little bit. But anyway, let's move on. Stop thinking you're in charge. Surrender your mind to God. This is what he just told us in there, remember? If you surrender your mind to God, then, then, that surrender and change opens the door to learn to know God's perfect good will for you. Everybody wants to know what God has for them. It's like he has surrender for you. And if you'll surrender, he'll begin to guide you on the right path. So let him. Let him. If somebody else is on that path with you, that's amazing. Celebrate that fact. But if you're all alone, celebrate that you're not alone, that God's with you and he's leading you. All right? Like, stop looking around and comparing, like, Lord, why are they running down that wide open thing? And you know that's what I want to do. Stop it. Just trust God. He knows what you need. And he wants to lead you on the right path for you, which begins at Jesus. Let's pray, guys. Would you stand with me? Altar's always open. Father, we just want to say that right here. We want to pause and think about it. We want to respond to you, God, right here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for incredible forgiveness, Lord. Thank you for the right path that we have and thorns and tightness at times, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the realization that we got to walk your path and not our own. God, we ask that you would lead us and that we would follow you. God, we ask this in the name of Jesus today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing, God. Mm. We want to be mindful of the Holy Spirit right now. Like, oh my goodness, yes, right now. for being here. Thank you, every one of you that are at the altar and responding to the Holy Spirit in your life. Just continue to let him lead and follow him. Let's be his church as we get out of here today. Go celebrate Jesus, would you? Have an amazing day and God bless you. Thanks so much for being here. I love you.